Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this broadcast. You know, today we're talking about the message of the kingdom. You know, stop and think about this. You know, Moses was pretty much the model of the first pastor. And Moses had one basic goal, and that was to get the people into the kingdom of God, Canaan, which was the kingdom that, that, that would represent the kingdom of God, and teach the people how to live by these kingdom principles. We call them commandments. Uh, the Bible calls them more something like prescriptions. Jesus comes on the scene and says, okay, you know, uh, you guys wouldn't listen then, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a way where I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the new birth. I'm gonna empower you. I'm gonna give you the grace of God. I'm gonna make you able to do everything God said. And I'm even gonna give my life so that you can have all of these benefits. Uh, because I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And then he taught all about the kingdom of God because the message of the kingdom is the process whereby we enter into the abundant life. You know, uh, uh, the Bible tells it's really interesting because the Bible tells us in Matthew 24 that, uh, that the message of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Now, <clears throat> we have kind of twisted what Jesus said and and we have kind of pre, uh, have this idea that says that when all the world has been evangelized then Jesus can come back that, that that's not what he said i mean we've got all of these w- ways for example you know we have this thing about uh, uh about creating getting converts by winning people to Jesus but very little concept of making disciples Jesus didn't tell us to go make disciples. He told, I mean, uh, tell us to go win converts. He told us to go make disciples. Why? Because discipleship is the process whereby we, we accept Jesus' teachings and based on his teachings, we learn how to function and live in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is a realm that we enter into, into, in our heart, that really exposes us to all the resources of heaven. Now, what's interesting is, is, is okay, so, so the, the gospel of the, of the kingdom has got to be preached to the ends of the earth in order for Jesus to come back. Now, that's pretty phenomenal considering that when you talk to most people, most believers think that the gospel of the kingdom is the message of salvation and that salvation and entering the kingdom is one and the same thing. Well, it's really, really not. Getting born again, Jesus said in John 3, 3, will make it where you can perceive that there is a kingdom. You can see the kingdom then. And he describes a very clear process. But I, but I want to talk more about this message of the kingdom for a minute, and, and then we'll get into the content of the message. But, but, but stop thinking. Matthew 6, it tells us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. I don't really 
most people are kind of like, no, if I earn righteousness, maybe God will give me these things. Or other people are like, well, if I get these things, then I can live righteous. And, and, and it's just crazy how convoluted and how twisted we've taken the simple teachings of Jesus. And then we wonder why it's not working the way it's supposed to. Why is that happening the way Jesus promised that could happen? So, you know, my first priority as a believer after getting born again is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Uh, and, and, you know, when Jesus taught us how to pray over in Matthew chapter 6, uh, or, or earlier in Matthew chapter 6, and where he said it again there in 633, it's like, listen, you don't have to be praying and taking your grocery list, your laundry list to God and begging him to do these things. Jesus said, don't worry about that stuff. More than once, he said, you don't have to pray about this stuff. God's got you covered. You just deal with this kingdom issues. You deal with following God. You deal with staying connected with God and, and God to take care of making sure that, that if you're walking the path of righteousness, he will make sure that everything you need, you will find along that path without burning up your faith, so to speak, to try to try to make those things happen. You know, in Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus sent the disciples out, he said, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of hand is at hand. And then heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you receive, freely you give. In other words, go out and preach this message of a kingdom. Preach and demonstrate what it looks like, setting people free from whatever oppresses them. That's kingdom living and it is, is like I say, when we enter into this realm and we start enjoying all the freedoms, all the provision, all the resources of heaven. You know, Matthew 13, 19 tells us when anybody hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it. Well, the, the, the King James says that the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. That's really not what it says in the Greek. It says the wickedness is in our heart. It's what snatches it away. It's not the devil. The devil can't get into your heart. And, you know, you, you can believe the devil's doctrines and live that out of your heart. You can believe what opposes the gospel. You can reject the truth. And that's what we do when we don't listen to Jesus' teachings about how to live and how to, how to live in this realm that he called the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. So, when you start looking at the message of the king, which that's what Jesus preached. His whole ministry was about how to enter the kingdom of heaven and how to enter the kingdom of God and experience the resources of heaven. Now, the primary principles of the king, if you look at Jesus' teaching, the, when he was teaching about the principles of the kingdom, he was not telling you how to be born again. He was telling you how that if you're going to live in righteousness... Because this is a kingdom of righteousness. If you're going to live in righteousness, this is kind, this is what it looks like. He he used parables and gave stories about how people treated each other. You know, you know, just like when when, when he says, you know, uh, the most important commandments: love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And and, and this guy's like, man, I am down with that. I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. But just got one question: <laughs> who's my neighbor? And he was asking that to justify himself. And so Jesus gave a parable about a man that was in trouble and how, a, you know, you know, how a priest came by and wouldn't help him. All the religious people came by and wouldn't help him. But a Samaritan came by and the Jews hated Samaritans and the Samaritan helped him. And 
And so he, he said he, he would paint these graphic pictures of real life scenarios to say, this is what kingdom living looks like. And so, you know, the guy had to deal with his hatred of the Samaritans and, and, and had to realize that, that, you know, my neighbor is anybody that I can have a relationship with, anybody that I can have rapport with. Doesn't matter if they're, if they're a Samaritan and like, you know, and, and I can, can you just imagine in the ancient, uh, in the early South or early America when people had slaves and, 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 and how they got to twist the word of God to, to say that they can justify treating people of a different race differently than they would treat everybody else. I mean, and, and people would do that using the Word of God to try to explain it. It, it just it just blows my mind. So in the parables, even though Jesus didn't use the word love, love is about valuing people. Love is a love is love is about uh, considering all people to be created children of God and to, to walk in love, to treat people with respect, treat people in dignity. And, uh, and so all the parables show that. So, so basically, first of all, the parables show us how to walk in love as prescribed by God. Now, there is a whole concept of love that's being taught out there today that has nothing to do with what God says. You know, you know, God says love is, you know, uh, don't spread rumors about somebody. Well, you know, today you, everybody spreads rumors about everybody. Everybody doesn't like what somebody else says. They attack them. They spread rumors. They criticize them. That is not love. And the Bible warns that one of the things that will bring about the end and bring about the hardening of hearts where people will become so cruel and bitter is because love disappears. Love grows cold. And so we're living in that time where people don't respect one another. People don't respect one another's values. If you do not agree with certain people, then as far as they are concerned, you should be silenced. Well, that's, that's hatred. Uh, that's control. That is, that is demonic right straight from the pit of hell to think that just because somebody else has a different point of view as you do, that they shouldn't be heard or that they don't have the opportunity or that they are no value or that they should be shut down or they should be killed or they should be in prison. And that's the world that, that what we're living in today. And so even though Jesus never used the word love, you look, always there was respect, there was value conveyed from one person to another in all of his, in all of his parables. You know, the parables, really help us understand social justice the way God defined it. We've got social justice today that is totally contradictory to what the Bible teaches, but it's amazing how many people identifying themselves as Christians buy into political correctness and social justice as it's being presented by the godless people in politics. Well, well you know what? The Word of God is full of social justice. The Word of God, social justice is about how you treat people and, and social and civil justice is then about what the consequences should be when you violate other people. And we've rejected all of God, all of God's consequences. And those consequences were, were there to teach people. Those consequences were there to prevent these things from happening first and foremost. They were there to correct the people who did them and put them on another path. They were put in place to warn the ignorant who were watching and said, oh man, I can get what I want that way. And last and least of all, they were put there to isolate or eradicate people or make people pay the price when they violated other people. 
And uh, you know what? That is totally rejected today in, in, in our social justice arena. We have rejected what God taught, and Jesus even came then in his parables, showed us what some of that should look like in his teaching. One of the things that you see in the Word of all the way through the Word of God, and we talked about this last week, you know, in Deuteronomy, God says, look, you have to choose blessings. I'm, you know, I'm giving blessings. You have to choose that if that's what you want. You can get curses, but you, you have to choose to reject my truth and reject my word. If, if that's where you're going to go, God's not going to curse you, but, but you can alienate yourself from God in your heart. And you can, you can live in a place where you're not experiencing God's goodness, where you're not experiencing God's wisdom, where you're not experiencing any of these things of God. So Jesus parables were constantly full, and I call it the golden thread that was woven through all the parables is personal responsibilities. This is how you should treat people, and this is what happens when you don't treat people this way. This is what it looks like to trust God, and this is what happens when you don't trust God. But the responsibility, the choice, is always yours. See, all of the parables were about attitudes and applications, Attitudes, how we look at things, how we view things, our basic, our, our belief, and then the application of what that would look like. He, like I say, he always used these parables because these were stories. These were real life stories. This is, this is people trying to get along with each other. This is how people treat each other. This is how people work together. This is how people handle their finances. And every bit of this was based on the commandments, every bit of it. And, uh, you know, people who want to do away with the commandments, really what they're saying is I want to do away with, I want to do away with God's justice. I want to do away with personal responsibility. I want to do away with God's definition of love. Matter of fact, really what I want to do is I want to do away with any concept of God other than my vain imagination. I want God to be who I imagine him to be. And I want truth to be what I imagine truth to be. Man, I'm telling you, this messed up world out there. And it's amazing how people reject all of Jesus' teaching and then act like there's some mystical reason why things are going on. Blame it on the devil. Blame it on everything except personal responsibility. I'll tell you another thing about the parables. The parables were always aimed at the heart. Because, you know, the beliefs of the heart are... The heart is the one place where you connect with God. The heart is the one place where you have the sense of your identity. The heart is the, is the one place where faith abides. And everything about you and God is about your heart, the real you. Not just the mind, not just your opinions, not just your intellect, not just your interpretation of Scripture. It's about this heart-to-heart relationship between you and your Creator. Now, the teaching about the kingdom ultimately brings us to the application of keys. Now, one of the things you're going to discover when you start looking at the keys of the kingdom, you're going to start realizing that all of the keys of the kingdom that Jesus explains are work around the concept of delegated authority where God says, I have done this and you have the right and the personal responsibility to make your decisions based on what I've already done. See, so many people are praying for God to do something, do something, God, do something, God, do something, God. And God's always like, what else can I do? I mean, you know, I've sent my son to die for you. I've given you the truth. I poured out the Holy Spirit. I've given you the power of grace. You know, there is absolutely nothing you need other than to believe and decide. 
And when you believe and decide, I got news for you, stuff going to happen in ways you just, you just absolutely never, ever, ever imagine. Now, one of the, here's one of the great things. Because we have the Holy Spirit, see, we not only have the Word of God that takes us into the, you know, the, the understanding. This is what love looks like. This is, this is what responsibility looks like. This is what, this is what, uh, bro, you know, brotherly kindness looks like. This is what mercy looks like. So we got all these things. But you know, in every situation in life, there are intricacies that are not clearly always spelled out about, you know, we don't have a, we don't have an exact model for every situ- life situation. But here's the great thing. You know, there's this thing in the Hebrew called the revealed knowledge of God. The revealed knowledge of God is the Word of God. Now, remember, you are only properly applying the Word of God when you walk in love. If you're not walking in love, then you are not applying the Word of God. Uh, you may you may be legalistically obeying a commandment. That does not mean you are applying the Word of God. So, <clears throat> then then... There is this thing in the scripture that's called, that's called private, the private knowledge of God, which is not insight different in the Bible. The revealed knowledge of God is what God has written. Now, if you believe and accept what God has written, you become a candidate for personal knowledge, for personal interaction. And because you're open to God, you trust God, you're entering into a relationship with God. And and so, so the revealed knowledge of God is available to everyone. Now, let me just say from a relationship perspective, if you do not accept the revealed knowledge of God, that which God has already said, if you do not trust the revealed knowledge of God, then basically you are calling God a liar. You are just saying, I can't trust you. I trust myself more. I trust my mama more. I trust my daddy more. I trust my preacher more. I trust my, my senator more. I trust my president more. I trust everybody else more. My school teacher, I trust everybody more. I trust you, God. I know your word says this, but you know, I just can't get my head around that. Well, you know what? Mm, you're not going to get intimate, personal, how to apply this in your situation. Because every, every situation is intricate. Every situation has little caveats that you're, you know, you get surprised. But here's the great thing. We have this private interpretation. Private interpretation doesn't mean a different, anything different than what's in the Bible. But it, it is the Holy Spirit leading us into how to put this into application in our own life. Man, I, I don't know about you. I, I, I love that. I love that so much. Now, Jesus, in, in helping us understand the keys of the kingdom, you know, one of the things he did for us that was just so incredible. You know, when he taught us how to pray, he said, first, let me tell you how not to pray. Now, it's amazing. The ways that he said not to pray is the number one ways that people that I know in America and around the world pray. They totally ignore that. They go straight past that. Well, Jesus came to show us God, first and foremost. And then secondarily, he came to show us what we could look like, what our lives could be like if we yielded to the Holy Spirit. If we trusted God, walked with God, yielded to the Holy Spirit. So... And Matthew, uh, chapter 11 is, it, it is so interesting that he comes to us and he starts talking to us about taking on his yoke. Now, he starts out in verse 11 by saying, and from the days of John, 
the Baptist. Until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Now, we have been taught, because we ignore what Jesus said after that, we have been taught, many of you have grown up in these arenas. You know, I was exposed to this, you know, where, where people of faith take the kingdom by force. And it's sort of like we've been taught that the devil has the kingdom and we're supposed to use force and use our faith forcefully to go attack the devil and take the kingdom. Well, you know, if you just read the end of this sermon, you'd realize, no, that's really not what he says. And that's not even really what the, what the original language says. The original language is pointing more to the idea that people try to take the kingdom by force or that people uh, try to, uh, pe uh, uh, people of force think they can take the kingdom or, or this whole thing about using force and violence and, and all of this. But, but if you read this on down till it gets to the end of the chapter, when you get down to verse 28, he says, so what I want you to do, you know, you can try this thing by force or you can come unto me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden. So who are the people who labor and are heavy laden? The people who are trying to take the kingdom by force. The people who think they got to fight the devil. The people who think they got to twist God's arm. The people who think they got to make this thing happen. They think that they're going to forcefully take the kingdom. So, he says, but you know what? If you're, if you're, I, I like the way the message Bible says, if you're worn out, <laughs> people, people who labor and have, they're worn out. He says, now I want to give you rest. He says in verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am gentle and lowly of heart and you will find rest to yourselves. What is your soul? Your emotions. You know, the stress that comes into your mind, with your mind trying to calculate and figure out how you're going to make all of this stuff work, all this kind of stuff. He, he says, look, you don't have any rest in your soul when you're trying to take this by force, when you're trying to go out here and make this happen. See, the message of the kingdom is what Jesus has done for you. And the message of the kingdom is that you believe his teachings. You believe how he said to interpret and apply the word of God. And it just becomes a rest. It becomes easy. And you cease from your own labors. Verse 30 says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, the whole concept of a yoke is the, the yoke is the teaching. It's the philosophy. It's how somebody interprets scripture. Now, the, the Jews had this completely backwards. With the Jews, and there are many people that take some Jewish teachings and uh, that were not in the Bible, that they were interpretation, and they twist it into something that they think we can use. So once a rabbi reached a certain level of training, then basically he came out from under the person that was discipling him, so to speak, and he then started kind of interpreting the scripture according to his liking, because he's gone through years and years and years and years and years of being taught how to interpret scripture. But still, he starts kind of saying, now I'm kind of on my own. So he has his own yoke and his students take on, or followers take on his own yoke. And there are people teaching that, that as believers, we create our own yoke. We interpret the, the Bible the way we want to. I got news for you. That's rejection of the Lordship of Jesus. We interpret the scripture based on the life that Jesus lived, based on what Jesus taught us based on how Jesus applied it and more than anything else based on what he accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. 
And, and he says, if you do it his way, it's always going to be easy. And I'll tell you, I am not qualified, nor do I want to be, to interpret Scripture any differently than Jesus did. Jesus was the exact representation of God. Jesus was the Word made flesh. Jesus came to show me what everything that God said, what it would look like in a, the life of a human being. And, and when I look anywhere other than Jesus' teaching, for my final understanding of my interpretation, the application of the Word of God, I, I got a problem. And I can go anywhere you want to go. You know, you know something? I appreciate so much. I, mean, I appreciate what I got through the charismatic move. I even appreciate what the Pentecostals brought us back in the early days. And, and they were the precursor. You know, every movement has moved us closer to and more toward uh, God and His Word and the kingdom and all of these kinds of things. And so, you know, you know, man, I have just benefited from all this. And then, of course, you know, there was the Word of Faith movement. Then there was the Word movement. All, all of these brought incredible, in, in, incredible things to our life. So, so, you know, I don't, I don't look back and d despise any of that kind of stuff, but, but I tell you what, so much of what I was taught about fighting the devil, all that kind of stuff, I couldn't accept. I tried it and it just, it, it didn't give me rest to my soul. It didn't give me peace and it did not produce the long lasting results that come when I just simply take on his yoke and say, you know something? You're the one that got this right. And, and I don't need any other representation of who God is other, other than you, other than your ministry, other than your teaching. But in, you know, we went through this time through the word of faith movement and through the word movement, through some of these other movements. And I can remember people that I respected deeply saying, you know, as new, Testament believers, we have to focus our attention on the epistles. Well, man, I love the epistles. I love everything in the epistles, but you know what? Uh, if you focus on the epistles, apart from making the life and teachings of Jesus and his modeling, his death and resurrection, if that, if that is not the core of how you even interpret the epistles, because that's what they were doing. God's never changed. He gave us his word. Religion messed it up. Jesus came and said, not only am I going to show you what it looks like, show you how to interpret it, show you how to imply it, but I'm going to give you the power to do it. And then, and so he didn't teach anything different. He just showed us what it looked like in real life. Then Paul and the apostles come on the scene and they showed us what it looked like in a kind of, in a church setting or, or in, in the New Testament church setting. So, all of these have to be in unity, but your interpretation of the Old Testament and your interpretation of the epistles has to be based on and congruent with what Jesus showed us. And you know what Jesus showed us is, here's what I've done. Trust me. Here's how I say to treat one another. Trust me. Here's how I'll show you how to live this life. Trust me. Just follow me. And see, faith is not believing real hard that's going to happen. Faith is just trusting that what he says is true. Trusting it's already taking place. Trusting it's already taken care of. The, the message of the kingdom of God is a message that says everything is taken care of through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And if you will become a disciple and make Jesus Lord, in other words, 
I accept his teaching. I accept his model. I accept his example. I accept his, his application. And I definitely accept everything accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. That's what, that's what lordship means. Then I can trust you to build my life. I can trust you to build my relationships. I can trust you to raise my kids. I can trust you for everything. And I do trust you. I'm going to follow you. That's what I'm going to live. That's how easy the message of the kingdom is. Listen, I got a great thing to share. You know, we're actually going to just jump straight next week into. Now, Jesus gave all these principles so we can understand. There's a lot of, a lot of aspects to getting to the place where when he starts talking about the keys, we can understand. Well, next week we're going to talk about the keys, what they are, how to use them. And listen, be sure and like this, share this. And if you want to dive in deeper, be sure and get the special bundle I'm offering this month because I'm telling you something, it's going to take you places that I haven't even touched on yet. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.